Ian McMillan is a poet, performer and presenter. He told me about the importance of repetition in his poetry and began by reading his poem Branwell Bronte is Reincarnated as a Vest. He talked about where the idea for the poem came from. Branwell Bronte is reincarnated as a vest. I hang here like a ghost on the midnight line. Frost hardens me, hardens the frocks I hang with. Irony to hang here on a night crashing with the loud moon, the moon only I can hear. I hang here like a ghost on the midnight line. If you stand by the garden shed, there, that side of the garden shed, and look at me from that angle, look towards the washing line from that angle, I'm almost invisible behind the frocks. I hang here like a ghost. The frost hardens and dawn is dark years away. I went to uh, Lumbank and I got off the train at Ebden Bridge and I got the bus up to uh, Eptonstall to go to Lumbank and a vest blew off a washing line and hit me in the face. I was assaulted by this vest. I then took the vest back to the washing line and a woman shouted out, put that vest back because she thought I was stealing the vest. I just did this image of this vest that hit me in the face and then... The first line came to me, or the title, Bramwell Bronte is reincarnated as a vest, came more or less straight away after. So it came from that. And a lot of my poems come from that, you know. They don't come from wanting to write something that means something. They come from something that's happened to me, and then instantly, for no reason that I can fathom, a line appears in my head. Bramwell Bronte is reincarnated as a vest. On its own, it's just a line. All right, leave that. Put it there. Put it somewhere. That's what I did. I wrote it. I left it for a bit. Then I thought, all right, Bramwell Bronte, interesting figure, you know, overshadowed by the sisters. So I thought, what if he come back as a vest? And what if the rest of them came back as frocks? And then I imagined this same washing line where the vest had blown off and hit me in the face. And they're all there, so that's why you get the line about uh, you can't see him. I am almost invisible behind the frocks. Here's the famous I, painting. He's, uh, he's actually painted himself out, in fact, hasn't that's he? That's right, so that's what it is. You can't see him in the painting, you can't see anything. And, and he's kind of, his life isn't interesting somehow, although it is, you know, but we don't know much about him. When you go to the Bronte Cottage, there's a bit of his drawing on the wall, you see him there. So this idea of almost being invisible. So what it is really, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a riff or it's a fugue or it's a kind of fantasia on the idea of somebody being reincarnated as a vest and even then, life not being good to him. You know, the idea that, all right, I'm a vest. But then again, <laughs> it's not going well for you. It's certainly not going well. <laughs> you just said that the poem's like a riff, it seems to me that almost all good poetry has got that element of repetition that riffs have, that uh, images and words keep recurring in them. I love riff, riff and repetition. Are great. I mean, poetry began by people rhyming and learning rhymes and learning lines that they've repeated again and again because that's how they get power. You know, you get power by repetition. You know, the reason I began to write was going to church on a Sunday and listening to those hymns, listening to Hills of the North Rejoice and the repetition of the lines, the repetition of the choruses at the end, the psalms being read out, and the repetition of the language. So, yeah, repetition and riff are very important, and I think strict forms are great for that. Pantoons, great, let's repeat some stuff. Villanelles, get repeated. Are you a pantoum and villanelle writer or a fan? I'm a fan, I'm a big fan, and I think that the best pantoum writers are people who take it seriously, and the best villanelle writers. But I like doing them as exercises. And the older I get, the more I begin to understand the power and the pull of rhyme. As a young man, 
when I first started doing writing workshops around South Yorkshire in about 1982, so a long time ago, I'd get these older people coming to my workshops who wrote the most beautiful rhyming verse, and I'd say, take that away and bring it back, not rhyming. Isn't that an arrogant thing, the arrogance of youth? But that, at that time, I thought rhyme was a bad thing. I thought it was for old people. What a terrible thing to say. I thought rhyme stopped you getting to the meaning of the poem. As in fact, it doesn't. You know, Tony Harrison said, rhyme conveys meaning. Rhyme, rhyme helps you to think. I remember, again, these writers' workshops in South Yorkshire. I got into the pantoum. There's a fellow called Eddie, Steady Eddie. He'd come every week, and he, he used to write rhyming verse, and I'd try and get him not to rhyme. Then I said, all right, Eddie, have a go at a pantoum. Eddie became obsessed with them. He'd write half a dozen a week because that's what rhyme can do to you. That's what pantooms can do for you. And maybe they weren't all great poems, but what they're doing there is really getting your thought muscles going, getting your poetry muscles going, getting your rhyme muscles going. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.